I like to think that in general, mm-hmm. this is a positive podcast. <laughs> so, what? I'm, and now that might actually, so that might actually surprise some people, because we cover a lot of problems on the show, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, this is a podcast that discusses flaws with the publishing industry, but I think usually we end up in a fairly pro-human, pro. Art industry, pro art, pro writer, empowering place by the, at least by the end of most episodes, right? Like that's kind of and that's sort of our orientation throughout. Um, and I value that work quite a bit. I think that's important. I'm glad that we do it that way. Um, I think that that is where I will always want to be with this show. And I think in general that that is a good way to go about one's career and one's life, right? A positive orientation, a belief in the better angels of our own nature, to borrow a phrase, and the goodness of others, and the general, like, you know, doing good so that others will do good, trying to be community first, all those sorts of things. Would you agree so far, right? I do, I do agree. The thing of it is, though, is we're also human. (laughs) You and I, Laura. We are. And here is where we should say welcome to this episode of Print Run. My name is Eric Kane. I'm a human. Uh, with me, as always, is Laura Zatz. She's a human as well. Say hello, Laura. Hello, Laura. And I say that we're human because sometimes, like all of you, I suspect, sometimes you've got to just let the hatred in. Mm. Sometimes the demons inside you win. Yep. And sometimes you're consumed by a pettiness whether that's professional, whether that's personal, whether it's whatever, that can transform a day, a week, a year, any number of things. Mm -hmm. And this pettiness, dear listener, is our subject today. (laughs) I welcome you to the petty-sode. Now, we're here because, in full disclosure, I am feeling petty today. I'm not going to get into all the reasons why that is. That's mean and rude. We are not mean and rude people, um, at least not to anyone who doesn't deserve to be, uh, doesn't deserve to to receive rudeness. Um, So we're not going to get into specifics as to why I'm feeling petty, but trust me when I say, I'm feeling petty today. (laughs) And I'm feeling that rage Mm -hmm. build within me. Mm Mm-hmm. And the reason I thought, oh, well, maybe there's a podcast there. Maybe that's something we should actually be talking about on the air. Is because rather than defeat me, rather than making me, you know, spiral and do whatever sort of negative self-talk or whatever happens, you know, sometimes when we get upset about something, I'm finding it invigorating. I feel like I've taken a cold shower And I've jumped out of a lake or something, and I'm, like, fit and ready, and I'm just fueled. It's like someone plugged me into an outlet, Mm. and the thing coursing through my veins is just pure, unbridled pettiness. Because somebody else 
got something nice. Because my enemies are winning, Laura. <laughs> because my enemies are winning, and I'm over here. And I'm not saying that in my own ways that I genuinely, on a day where I'm more introspective and feeling better about myself, um, I'm not saying that I'm not winning, too. I'm perfectly happy with my professional lot. However, that's not what the petty soda is all about, is it? The petty soda is all about what to do when your enemies are winning. Yeah, and it makes you feel bad. And it makes you feel bad. And my, I guess the thesis of this show today is at first. And so... What I want to talk to you about today, Laura, because to be honest, friends, we were not going to record a main episode today. We were not. We were going to sit down. We were going to bang out the first page of the show. In fact, Laura called me this morning. Technically, and, you called me. Okay. I sent you a text message. You sent message. me a text message. that, And I won't use our classic phrase. I'll leave that to you, should you decide to use <laughs> it or not. Um, but you referred to yourself in a way that in the shared language of you and me, meant that you weren't necessarily up for recording today. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I woke I I didn't sleep well. I had to wake up really early, take my dog to chemo. Um yeah. not I, good. I wasn't caffeinated. I hadn't eaten. So when Eric and I are feeling I'm bleeding right now, by the way. My finger's bleeding, which I think is on theme. I've offered you a band-aid. Like I don't six want a band-aid. I want to let the pettiness consume me. <laughs> Yeah, so so the, the common language that Eric and I use as friends and colleagues when one of us is just like, but I don't want to <laughs> do the thing that I'm supposed to do, uh-huh. we we use the term whiny titty baby. Can you, can you repeat that? Whiny titty baby. That's like, right. I am being a whiny that's titty right. baby right now. A WTB. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not saying that because on this podcast. I feel like that's how we get canceled or something. You don't, <laughs> you don't need me saying yeah. that. Yeah, it's, it's just I am being... Um, more of a child than Eric's infant, and I don't want to do it. But then Eric called and said, no, no. No, no. I said, we're doing it. And not only are we going to record that first Pages episode, which we are going to do, I've got something else we need to do. Because I just woke up and I chose darkness today. (laughs) So explain to me the the various situations in which you become petty. Like what? What? What are you petty about? Let's identify today? some reasons. Yeah. Yes, that's a great way to start because then we're going to eventually talk about how. <laughs> and again, like, I actually don't think the purpose of this podcast is to do personal venting, and that's not actually what we're planning to do here. I do think, though, and I have a very strong suspicion, knowing how people in book publishing or writers or anyone else are, like. I think that people feel this way quite a bit about you, or, or not about you, but about you broadly, the, whoever it is. Like, there are people who are petty about you. Are you querying and you just got an agent? Or like, did you just get a full request? Or do you just not feel dejected about it? Did somebody else get the offer yeah, that you wanted some, to sign? Right. Did somebody else get a deal when you've been trying to sell a book to this person? I'll tell, like, you, what, I'll tell you what happened in any of those situations. Yes. In every single one, the common denominator there... <clears throat> Someone did some posting. Ah. Someone got on the internet and started posting about something, and they probably did it in a tone that you hate. They certainly did it in a tone that I hate, because I hate 99% of posts that appear on the internet. Um, And so in terms of sources, like why, in my own little professional corner, what gets me angry? 
I mean, it's the usual things, right? It's book deals by people whose writing I don't think is that good. It's agents working on things that are doing quite well, and maybe I don't necessarily think that highly of that person. Or And everyone, you know, if there are people, like, on their fainting beds about this, like, oh, wow, Print Run doesn't think every agent is good. I'm a human. You're a human. We're all humans. We all have these little things. And that's the point. Is we're just airing it today. I get so so most of my pettiness mm-hmm. doesn't come from me not respecting the person. It's from me respecting the work too much. Like they did yeah. what I was gonna do, but way better. So that so that's really that's a good point too. Yeah. And and I and so actually the idea of respect is interesting because I think that probably I'm being a little bit too glib, which is like it's not necessarily about not respecting on like a true profound level. It's just like uh, I don't think that is a very good thing. I, you know, like that the, deal is not worth how much money you got. So this is yeah. this is why pettiness is such a useful phrase, right? Because pettiness in the definition implies a certain amount of triviality. Like it's just like ah, it just grates on you a little bit. Even when if you were pressed and like asked to really explain yourself, you'd say, "Oh no, it's probably fine that." X happened. I can see why it happened. I certainly don't want to live in a world where X isn't happening. I just don't like the very specifics of this for reasons that don't have any justification other than my own human weakness. Yep. And that's what we're here to celebrate, folks. Human weakness. <laughs> and our susceptibility to the darkness. Um, no, I mean, it's just, you see, you know, I, the, I, I've started calling Twitter cursed LinkedIn. <laughs> And I think the re- the reason or the reason I call it that is because it's mostly just a place where you're watching people post about their opportunities, right? Oh, I'm so pleased to be doing X, Y, or Z, you know. And it just you just sit there and like you send your little congratulations reply because you like have to, and then you just sit and sulk for like seven minutes. Yeah. And, the, and what I'm saying is, what if instead of sulking for seven minutes, you let the hatred consume you? And you did something with it. And that's kind of where I'm at today because, like, man, do I feel energized. And I know I don't feel energized like this when good things happen to people I love. Or to you. You you are a miserable son of a bitch when good things happen to you. Like, you get a deal and you get a deal offer and you're like, well, let's count the ways that this can fall apart. God, that is a... That is a great point. No one, <laughs> no one's petty about my. So I'm my own petty person. Like, yeah, and it's it's just tough. And so, but I do want to explore for a second this. I think very widespread phenomenon because publishing, if you haven't heard. It's a very gossipy industry. Mm-hmm. It's also it, not a meritocracy. So you're oh, working. Oh, 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 don't get me started. It is not a meritocracy. So you're working in the context of yes. I'm jealous of somebody, but I'm jealous of them for getting something that probably has like very little to do with their yes. own like work and effort and of course that's a necessary part of it yeah but yeah it's it's there's a bunch of other stuff that you can't control so it's like it's like you're you're getting mad at the stars instead mm-hmm. of like the fact that somebody you know wrote something a thousand times better than you yeah than you and, did. and to, sometimes sometimes i get mad that people have written something that is a thousand times better than anything i've written or 
has done a deal yeah. that is looks extremely cool with a writer and an editor that I think are extremely cool. Whatever. That happens. But I find peace in that. I'm like, you know what? I'm glad that kind of thing exists because that's the kind of work I'd like to be doing, and I'm glad there's an opportunity. Wait, so, okay. Important clarification. So you don't become petty with – or are you petty and peaceful at the same time? I would say petty slash peaceful is sort of my general sure. existence. Um, well, maybe not peaceful. Maybe yeah. just petty. Okay, um, <laughs> so, so here's so here's my thing. Yeah, I thing. am. I would say, like, as as my as my core base personality, mm-hmm. I am a more jealous person than you. I think. So, okay, finish your thought. Okay, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like I I have to work really hard to be as like magnanimous and kind towards others as Eric is. I will say I'm kinder towards myself than Eric is to himself. Sure. Um, but I I have to counter that quite a bit. So I have developed this because because I because pettiness is good, but it can't be like the full professional jealousy kind of pettiness. Right. Like it can right. be that an author I lost out on. Yeah. Um you know, got a really, really great deal. And the the line I always tell myself, even if this isn't true, which is, oh, I didn't have that vision for this book. I couldn't have made that deal happen. Right? Um, so I love telling myself lies like that. <laughs> so you got to, like, find the peace in that. Yeah. But um, I, but because of my sort of base general, like, jealousy, my, my core being mm-hmm. that, um, I just, I have to ignore, <laughs> I have to ignore things that make me spiral a little bit. Like, if... <laughs> this, this is a key difference between this, you and me. <laughs> this is a key difference. I So I end up, like, if I know that a certain project or um, something is, is going to, like, be on this, like, year-end best of list, blah, 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 I just, like, won't ever look at it. Like, I have to, like, ignore it, because otherwise mm-hmm. I'll, like, lay in bed for two days. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and like, and that's that's what happens. Um, I would say that that this energizing element that you're feeling, um, for me, it comes out of just telling myself that like, hey, I have to move on. Like, I yeah. couldn't have made this thing yeah. happen. I'm ignoring this thing that's going to make me take to my bed like a Victorian woman. I have never once in my life moved on from anything. That's true. <laughs> but Yeah. <laughs> but you, you have, have to go soak like, in your I, maladies. Yeah. Yeah. But I right. re I, I have to like refocus. And a lot of time what that looks like is just like taking half a day or a day, regrouping, and then just reading something completely different. So like if I'm feeling really petty about like a fantasy novel, then I'll like go read a romance novel mm-hmm. like in my in my slush pile mm-hmm. or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um and try to try to do that but it really comes from that like the action comes from the no no i i can't take to my bed over this because that is that is also one of my default states like i'm jealous in bed yeah 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 no that's so this is let me see if i can offer a window into my default state i am neurotic 
Yes, but not necessarily <laughs> the quality of mine. Well, maybe part of the quality of mine that I'm about to outline. <clears throat> I'm a very competitive person. Yeah, you were like an athlete and everything. I played fairly high level collegiate tennis. I spent a huge part of my formative years competing. Like this was basically the animating principle of my life for still to this day most of my life that will be untrue when i'm what in my 40s or something but like most of my life has been spent competing and trying to win and trying to like be in specifically in tennis right like be better than one person specifically you know what i mean like it's not even about like because it's such a personal, individualized, one-on-one thing, right? And, like, I can remember, you know, I would lose tennis matches in college, and I would write down the score line on a piece of paper of my loss, and I would hang it above my bed. Oh, my God. And I would that get, makes so much I, sense. When I would wake up the next day, if I had a workout or something, or if I had, you know, to do something and I didn't want to do it, I would look at that paper, and I would once again become consumed by the shame or the whatever negative feeling it was of having lost that Mm. particular match or whatever and it would get me out of bed be like all right i gotta go work out because that feeling is intolerable and i refuse to feel it ever again i feel like i've just learned so much about you just now (laughs) (laughs) and so i think i am predisposed on a work-life balance level to seek those things out as motivation as well. And I don't love it because it's not really, you know, and I don't think on a real, again, like there's your inner sort of id and then there's how you actually choose to live your life, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think the way we actually choose to live our life, you and I as a professional unit, as Mm a, we're more considered than that right you know what i mean like we do this show from a place of optimism about others and we we mean that like we're not lying when we do that that's not cynical but at some point you've got to engage the id a little and i just find that like so i've spent this year let me see figure out how to put this as correctly as possible covered in snot (laughs) (laughs) i have an infant in my house he is about to be eight months old um, he has just started going to daycare, which, if you're not a parent out there, um, you won't necessarily put together that that means um, he is now sick with something new and stupid every single week um, because he is going to a classroom full of children, right? And children are snot-nosed little runts, and they hand off their diseases and their viruses to each other every and day. And to you. And to me. So... I'm covered in my child's snot. I'm covered in my snot. We both have coughs. We do these things. We're gross. It's like, why even get dressed? Why even leave the house? It has been a very aesthetically ugly and sluggish year in that way, right? And then something like the sequences of pettiness I have felt this week happen. And it's like a few different things. And again, we're not going to, you know, these things happen all the time. They happen all the time to all of us. Honestly, the trigger doesn't matter. The trigger the, doesn't matter. The point the f- is, it, because like, there's there's always going to be something happening that is going to potentially put you in some sort of like, jealousy spiral. And like, so you get that 
that happens, and I just get this feeling. It's like, all right, time to get up, time to get off the mat. There's no, there is simply no, it is intolerable to be living as I am because look at what other people are doing. And look what you think of that other person who is doing the thing you want to do. You know what I mean? Like that feeling is the one that kills me the most. It's when it's like someone else is living the thing that you want to be living, you know? And it's like, well, why aren't you working day and night to go get that? And why are they beating you? You know what I mean? It becomes that same sort of impulse. Like, why are you losing? So the way that you think and about it, it's one-on-one. It's always like one. It's one-on-one with everyone in my life. I am playing a perpetual tennis match with every person I have ever known. And it's a horrible way to live. But it is <laughs> sometimes a way to live. And that means that I do try. And so you say, you say, oh, I'm a less jealous or I'm a more jealous person than me. I don't know if that's true. I think maybe one difference is that I think I have worked on this cycle a little mm. bit more overtly, which is to say that I find jealousy, and I feel jealousy all the time, as we're describing, especially in relation, as it pertains to this podcast, um, to the book world, to my writing life, to my agenting life, to whatever sort of professional concern I have. I find jealousy to be an immensely clarifying and helpful emotion. What do you mean by that? Because it tells you what you want. Mm. I don't feel jealous of things mm. I don't care about. Yeah. And some, so sometimes when I'm sitting around on a neutral day and I'm thinking, what's like, what's the next thing I really want? Like, mm. what should, what am I pushing for right now beyond just like selling the current books I'm pitching and like doing my day to day things and like, like, what's the next thing I want? Capital W. I oftentimes don't know until I see someone else get something. That triggers it and go, oh, and okay. I, it's not even that the, the feeling then becomes, oh, I want that thing specifically. I want to copy right. their life. It becomes like, oh, maybe that sort of opportunity is something that matters to me. An alarm bell goes off, right? Like you start to feel like, oh, wow, I need that. Mm. I need to feel like that. I need to do that. And it's, it's I, hard. I just, I just figured something out. So... Mm-hmm. I think you become very jealous specifically because you very much focus on one person. And honestly, it doesn't matter who the person is. Uh-huh. But you go, hey, this other agent or this other writer or, you know, this editor or whatever um, has a project mm-hmm. that you mm-hmm. are specifically jealous of, even if it only triggers something else. Mm-hmm. I um, don't think in terms of one-on-one competition. Mm-hmm. I think in terms of, like, we're all, like, in our own lanes. Yes. And, like, we're all in our own lanes, and I'm not directly competing with you. Mm-hmm. I just want, like, it's more of, if I look over at you. It's a swim race. It's a swim race. That's it's a, a swim race. Yeah, that's exactly yep. what I it is. You. Where it's like, you're, kind, you're competing against yourself, but mm-hmm. in context of everyone right. else. Right, right. So... Like one of one of the things um, is like I am much more like v- like vaguely jealous or mm-hmm. like generically jealous mm-hmm. um, based on things that are like as simple as like a book announcement timeline. Oh yeah. Like I can I can know that it's like happened or no whatever and like I can be working on the exact same thing. But the word announcement secret, is just like firing me up even as I hear it. Yeah. Right. Because the because. And, and this is something that was very clarifying for me, like, over the past couple of years, is because publishing is very gossipy, I have 
found out, and, and this is kind of, like, based on an idea that I've become, like, shown through mostly Roxanne Gay's tweets. She posts a lot about, like, her nemesis. And Whoa, the thing let's is, talk about that. Yeah, so the thing is, is, like, she has nemeses. Nobody knows who they are. Mm. They don't know that they're her mm. nemeses. And it's more of just, like, an individual person where she's like, this person succeeded. I'm going to. So it's it's kind of more in your brain space. For me, I have specific people in publishing that I lose to. But mm. for me, like, it doesn't feel like I'm ever competing with them. And when I say lose to, I mean, like, an author will decide to like go with them instead of with me and like there are certain people who I lose to regularly yeah. and to be fair like when Eric and I compete against other agents to sign with somebody like we very like rarely will get not chosen right like mm. we um well our lane is so specific our lane is very point. specific like, so yeah. if somebody's interested in working with us yeah. they're all they're very very commonly yeah. like they're in yeah. it right sure. um so just by virtue of how that works. But but like there are certain people that I always lose to. And for me, it's always been not this person is my nemesis, but I need to get to a place where I can like compete on a level with this person. Because mm -hmm. like to be frank, something that another literary agent does has almost no bearing on none. what I do. No, no, it's not a mutual. It's not a zero sum game. It's just a matter of trying to reach that level like i mean right. i have lost i mean i had a situation where i you know lost one of these little you know author pony shows to an agent and i was like oh man lost and you know this person has been in the industry for 20 more years than me <laughs> they they've sold you know i was like trying to like i was trying to find the pettiness right and instead i like looked up their deals and it's like four different books that i love and like you know what i mean it's like all right Fine. But that, I was playing on, like, with this person. Well, so what do we say? What do we say every time? Because sometimes what happens, Laura, because I think you are innately less competitive than me. Sometimes when it, like, when there's one of these on the horizon and you say, oh, you know, person so-and-so is involved. This Like, it feels like I don't really have much of a chance here. Mm -hmm. The thing we I always tell you to do and the thing I think we've now gotten really good at reminding each other to do is, like, Compete, 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 not even necessarily because winning this one is the be all end all, but you're getting ready to win the next one. Yeah. You know, like you're getting the repetitions in, you're figuring out how to, you're acting like you belong, right? Yeah. That's actually how I often think about it. It's like you have to learn how to carry yourself. But we're also, every time, you know, we have, like, the call conversations, we're clarifying our mission. Yeah. We're getting yeah. better at communicating exactly. our editorial. Exactly. Like, it's, it's, it's practice. Um, and I think, I think you're right that I am generally less competitive. And the thing that very much clarified that for me was publishing is very gossipy. I learned that I am somebody's nemesis <laughs> specifically. And this is a person who like, I don't not respect yeah, like no, they're, they're, I, I guess the, the best way, the best way to think about it is like that scene in Mad Men oh, yeah. where, Classic. where, uh, Don Draper's like, I don't think about you at all. That's like, <laughs> right. Just brutal. One of the great television just, scenes. Just, yeah. I don't think about you at all. Like, I'm not playing in this game. Right. And, right. like, finding that, that somebody is, like, obsessively, like, yeah. getting petty over stuff that I'm doing. First of all, it, like, 
helped a little bit yeah. where I'm like, me? Yeah. But, like, me? Like, yeah. why me? Like, I ain't shit. But, like, first of all, that's not true. So, think, so like, remind yourself that, like, maybe you have somebody out there who's very jealous of you. Right. Um, and your successes and the work that you're doing. Um, but also it, it helped me like realize that jealousy in general is very helpful for me. Je- jealousy mm-hmm. in specific just makes mm-hmm. like literally makes me take to my bed. Like that, <laughs> ma- that oh, makes I me see. feel oh, bad. In general versus. Yeah. That, okay. So that is interesting. Yeah. Okay. See, je- jealousy in specific is what makes me like, yeah, start. That's when my motor gets going. Yeah. And like. I want, I want, so I do want to spend a second on like the nemesis thing yeah. because I don't I don't love it to be honest. I think it's especially like I've always sort of felt you know from like Roxanne Gay specifically like this is someone who is so fabulously successful. Yeah. Like who is getting opportunities, who is doing these things and rightfully so. I'm not taking this like great writer, great thinker here's the world go run with it. But like, come on, dog. Like, do you, you what, think what is the, the a nemesis? Like, you getting everything you need. You know, I don't know. It, I, it, I sort of think that it's more presented as sort of like a pace horse for her. Sure. Yeah. No. That uh, I guess on that. So on that level, it makes sense. On that level, it makes sense. I, actually, here's what irritates me about it specifically. It's not even her. It's everyone else suddenly was talking about their nemesis. Oh. It's like there was like a four month stretch on Twitter where like. Every single person our age was like, oh, my nemesis did this. My nemesis did this. And it's like, can we all just cool it a little bit? Can you just put that bit? in your group can we just Can we just slack that to each other? Can we <laughs> just, you know, what? It's it, it was just sort of grading. So I guess on a concept level, I think you're probably right that, like, I'm just sort of renaming this thing and doing it myself a little bit. Like, yeah, because so, everybody is your nemesis, Eric. Well, to your, <laughs> to your point, like... You know, you said, oh, it was interesting to find out that you were someone's person like that. Yeah. That isn't actually – there's no, there's no like, braggadociousness or, or bravado in that statement because you definitely feel that way about lots and lots of people who never think about you at all. Yeah. Right? You know what I mean? And that same with me. Same with everyone. Like, we're all – and obviously there are, like, professional norms and there are – again, like, we're exploring – an interior part of ourselves that doesn't necessarily get to dominate our decisions and our, you know, choices outwardly, right? Like, I do think it is responsible and good and healthy to process these feelings in a way that doesn't involve, like, like, you would never want to, like, make a whole podcast about it, you know? Like, that would be, like, a really bad mistake, and that would be really... Ooh. Well, so here's here's how I think about it. Like, and I know we're doing an entire episode about like how we feel petty and what that does. Sure. Are. But I sort of think that like pettiness and jealousy is like a a primary emotion. It happens first, and it doesn't become useful until it's filtered through like some secondary things, um, and some thought processes, and that's when it becomes helpful. Like, kind of beyond just that vague motivating factor, because. If you're feeling jealous or petty and then you're motivated, great. But it's, I think, I think what where I know I have failed in the past and I think a lot of people struggle with is turning that motivation onto something that will kind of like pull you out of yes. that jealousy so and that, pettiness. That's, let's go there next. So, yeah. so a really, really good example is, um, 
the the genres that I represent. So I have been a mystery reader, mm-hmm. and yeah. kind of in the pandemic, it's been like my comfort genre mm-hmm. for for years, right? And I'm talking to the tune of like somewhere between seventy and ninety yeah. mysteries yeah. I've read for fun every year, yeah. which is just ridiculous. Like if you work in publishing, like that's shout out to audiobooks in the library. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I really enjoyed it and for a very 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 long time I think I've even said it on this podcast I've said you know like don't let me work in this genre it's my like it's my comfort genre and then I started to feel jealous of the agents who had really like innovating and exciting books that were being published into this genre mm-hmm. and from that I sort of like I spent many 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 weeks with it maybe even like multiple months yeah. with it and we had lots of conversations about it where instead of just like I'm jealous that these things that I love are making money and I could be making money too like what it really became was I love this genre and I'm familiar with this genre enough that like I feel like I am doing myself and others a disservice to not like dip my toes yeah. into it and I want to make these books happen now versus just I want to like read them and like that is a very different part of your brain in publishing that yeah. exists like I want to write this book versus I want to read this book I want to edit this book versus I want to read this like totally different and somehow like that jealousy had uh, like shown me that these types of stories had jumped over that gap into my work brain mm-hmm. and so now I'm doing mysteries yeah and I think that is a really good example of where we should take this next, which is like, how do you turn the corner, right? Because we've discussed the stewing. And for me, the <laughs> You're stewing. You're feeling energized and jealous today. The stewing is like, you know, you send a bunch of catty, you know, private messages to your friends, which I highly recommend, by the way. Like, one thing that happens. Because I think a major, a major like underpinning of this episode and like a general thesis I'm happy to work from here is like everybody feels this stuff about something, right? Like, and the question is, what do you do with it? And one thing I think you don't want to do with it, in specifics at least, is start whining publicly about it. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you see the piece of advice a lot of the time, you know, in publishing stories, like that belongs in a group chat, not a. Uh, you know, not a public forum or whatever. And I think there's a lot of a lot of truth to that because yeah. it threads this needle where it's like, no, it's not wrong that you felt that. It's not wrong that you were feeling petty or sort of even whiny about something. And but like, it's a primary emotion. But <laughs> take that yeah. and process it away from the public, yeah. right? And, like, so the way I do that, you know, I mean, I get mad. I send, you know, messages to my friends and you and all these different things and then it's time to like sit with the feeling yourself yeah. and do something about it and, like, and a lot of the time you have those feelings about people you otherwise really yeah. like and respect oh totally like, so that's to another be, reason yeah. you don't want to make it public right and it's like so the two things I tell myself when it's time to like turn the corner which I'm going to tell myself today as I sit here in a state of having let the the anger win <laughs> you let the anger win. You're feeling um, energized. So what are you going to do with that energy? Well, now? I'm going to tell myself two things. Yeah. Thing one, it's not a meritocracy out there. Yeah. Which it's not, by the way. I don't know who needs to hear this right now, but let me put it to you as clearly as possible. I'm going to enunciate it as well as I possibly can for you. 
publishing and writing opportunities are not a meritocracy. You are not missing out because you're not good enough. You are not like the people who are getting the opportunities are not inherently better than you. That is simply not the organizing logic of who gets what in publishing. And anyone who tells you that is trying to sell you something that is probably fraudulent at its heart. So um, that's the first thing I remind myself is that it's not a meritocracy out there. And the second thing I tell myself is there's room for me. Mm. And there is. Like we've said it before, but like it's not a zero-sum game. Publishing has more you know, slots. It's got more chances. There's always, there's always more chances. There's always more like that you can do and be a part of and stuff. And like, and then mostly that sort of takes the form of, okay, like, what are you going to do? If this feeling is so intolerable, which it is, I really hate feeling like this. Actually, it's energizing. Like it gets me going, but I don't want to feel like this. I want to feel, you know, accomplished. Like, I want to feel accomplished and yeah. comfortable in these things, but like you want to feel how you feel at the end of this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so, like, you know, I get usually it's like, you know, getting back on some sort of, or sticking with, or you know, really paying attention to some sort of routine, right? Like for me, it's like, all right, I'm gonna really make sure I get my, like, writing sessions in today, like. And moving forward, and I'm going to let the, you know, if I was on the fence about it, if I was feeling tired or whatever, overstressed, anything, the the new tipping factor toward me actually doing the thing is the fact that I feel petty right now. You know mm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to do it, and I'm going to do that small thing, and I don't need to do it all at once. Like, you can't, I think the another reason it's this is a frustrating thing in publishing is doing your, everything takes so long, right? Mm-hmm. It takes a long time to write a book. It takes a long time to pitch and sell a book. It takes a long time to do anything. And like think about how long you think it takes and then maybe double or triple. Yeah, it. I mean it's like <laughs> and so you can't and this is a sports phrase too, but like you can't get it all back at once, you know? You have to chip away. You mm-hmm. have to do your little thing. You've got to just pay attention to the detail in front of you, you know, the 6 inches in front of your face. And it's that's what so like that's where I that's like where I put my energy. Yeah. It's like okay, what is the immediate thing in front of me today? How do I get the win today on do, some small level? Do you know what's and, also very helpful for me um, is kind of like sometimes you know doing the little like next step, next six inches mm-hmm. sort of thing is helpful, but I don't push it too hard. And then what I try to do is I try to like recenter away from whatever concept I'm carrying in my brain today of what success is mm-hmm. um, or what failure is and I will like take time for art to matter mm-hmm. and what I mean by that is like if you can take time to remove yourself from the meritocracy elements and just be like hey I really like books or I really like this story or, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm excited to read this thing. Like, even if you're not feeling like it, even, you know, if you're feeling bad about another book that just got a deal that you lost out on or something like if you if you circle back to the art and the value and the meaning that it has for you, it makes that meritocracy matter less. And I and I don't mean like. It doesn't matter because, like, our job is to, like, sell books mm-hmm. into that meritocracy. Mm-hmm. Like, that is literally what mm-hmm. we focus on. Mm-hmm. Um, but it it feels healthier 
when and only when I remember that it's art first. Well, that so that's be and that speaks to something I think really profound and important, which is like at the end of the day, this can be this feeling can it can get you up out of bed. It can get you doing the thing you care about when you needed that little extra boost. It can be the sort of you know. And I keep coming back to sports metaphors, and you'll have to forgive me, but like bulletin board material, right? Like the thing you put on the wall to remind you that you're pissed about something Mm -hmm. enough to get up and do something about it. Like it can be all of those things, but it can't be your animating force at root. You know what I mean? Like eventually you do have to use this as a means of returning to the reason you do it at all, which is not because you're trying – like I think that if you're someone – and this is maybe too frank, but if you're someone who is interested in publishing, and I say use publishing broadly to include like writing books or doing whatever, because you're trying to achieve external prestige or award or like you're trying to climb in some way, like and that's your primary motivation. You're never gonna be happy. I think you're not I think you're going to burn out. I think you are. And you have to find something that exists beyond this stuff. And I have those things. I care about, like, I care about the things that I work on very deeply mm-hmm. and in ways that have nothing to do with being pissed that someone else got an opportunity that I think they didn't deserve or I think someone else deserved instead. Like, that's surface level animalistic crap at the end of the day. It's real, which is why we're doing a show on it, and it's why it's worth <laughs> processing because it's there, and we all feel it. And you know, if there, if there are people who listen to this and are like, "Oh, they're so wow, this is not what I expected from them." I just want you, person, to do some soul searching too, because I guarantee you that you have these feelings about something, and it's probably worth processing them in some kind of way, you know. Yeah. And I don't know. We, so Eric, you and I have spent literal years at this point talking through elements of publishing and Mm -hmm. writing on this podcast Mm -hmm. it's the animating force uh behind Mm -hmm. the ethics by which we run our agency and i feel very comfortable saying that (laughs) because you and i give in so deeply to like pettiness and all of that like it helps us return to the main goals, which are sort of finding value and meaning and success in, you know, uh, like sort of in capitalism outside of a meritocracy that you think is a meritocracy and is masquerading as a meritocracy. Um, it's not, it's, it's not, it's not. <laughs> it's, oh my God, it's not. It's not. And I, and you know, like I think a lot about other agents that I meet who work for the the very like big name New York ones that are just like their their main selling point is look at how many deals I do and how much money I make mm-hmm. and like fundamentally I think through this podcast and and through our agenting we've come to the conclusion that look how many deals I make is not really good for the good for us or the type of authors that we work with we can pick it apart pretty fast we can we're pick, not gonna do it right yeah here, we but. can we can pick it apart pretty fast and i think that like that works for a lot of people but the types of books that we want to do the types of art that we want to make the types of careers we want to help build um really really require 
those like meaningful underpinnings in a way beyond like I'm just not like the guy that gets you money. I'm the guy that gets you money in an emotionally and artistically satisfying way that keeps your career going for as long as possible. And that's what like that specific feeling when it on an agent side when it returns then to like our work with clients. Mm -hmm. Like that's where I feel some of this the most where when I see certain things pop up or certain announcements get made and it's like man I've got people on my list who definitely deserve that specific slice of limelight Mm -hmm. instead. (laughs) And (laughs) I'd have no problem saying that they do instead. I will say instead again. And it just makes you mad and it makes you want to do more for them and it makes you want to get publicly really pissed about certain dynamics in how things get chosen and, you know, how the industry functions and all that kind of stuff. And, um, I don't know. You just got to keep eventually what you, it comes down to what are you doing, you know, on your own? Like, I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it gets back to like what happens when no one's watching, you know, yeah. like you have to have some sort of, and what happens when you aren't watching others? Like when you, at some point with this set of feelings, I'm going to have to return to my desk and I'm going to sit down and I'm going to close Twitter and it's going to be time for me to do some work. Do some work that nobody sees. Exactly. And I'm yeah. just going and that has to come in order for that to be my best work, in order for that to be what will eventually hopefully be the sort of announcement limelighty for sort of I thing. that I get to make. Mm-hmm. That's going to have to come from a much more genuine like restorative generative place than pettiness. You know what I mean? Like Pettiness is a launch pad, I guess is what I would say. <laughs> like, it gets me up in the morning. Like, it's what – it has – you have to have little jolts. It's fine to use that stuff, but it cannot be your animating force because you'll go nuts because yeah. there's always – it's going to be an end- – like, the thing about publishing is it is an endless, endless parade of shit. <laughs> 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 and there's every single – if you wanted to get mad about something in publishing – you could do so every day for a new thing. In fact, we do. In fact, I do. And it's extremely healthy. And that's why my brain is so beautiful. Um, and it just, I don't know. So, like, true to form, I think, you know, we're sort of ending here on a, I think, that same sort of optimistic note, right? Like, we do, um, you have to let it, you have to, like, ferment it. You know what yeah. I mean? You've got to take that horrible juice that you have in your blood you're making jealousy kombucha yeah you've got and you've got to just let it let it sit a minute let it transform into something that you can actually want to into an award-winning book i'm on like four different mixed metaphors all of a sudden right now and i'm trying to i was it's like you're gonna have to drink the blood kombucha you know it it was never gonna work but um i don't know maybe that's where we leave it all right yeah when one fine, one uh, I guess final thing. So immediately after this podcast, you're jealous, you're energized, mm-hmm. your blood is turning to fizzy jealousy kombucha. Mm-hmm. What is going to be the first thing that you do when you hit your desk and nobody's watching? This. Oh, Any more questions? Gosh. Okay, second thing. What's Woo! the second thing? All right, this is how we make the kombucha, folks. <laughs> No, um, <laughs> so anyway, um, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to start, I'm just going to get back to it. I'm going to get into 
you know, my, you know, I have a notebook of that's like some more freeform, uh, like book ideas, ideas, you know, yeah. like not just oh, to do lists, like start from an actual seed of something and go outward, you know, that'll be what I do. That sounds great. Yeah. That sounds great. Yeah. And until then, I'm going to spend a few more minutes letting the hatred in, um, letting it's more pettiness, the not demons. Hatred. It's not hatred. I'm too gentle of a person for real hatred. I don't have hatred. I like to think I have hatred. I don't actually have no. hatred. I'm a big softy at the end of the day. You really are. But, you know, what are you going to do, right? But the it's, it's, it's a cruel summer, folks. It's <laughs> You can't. <laughs> we've, got, we've got to pace ourselves. I should have known that this was coming. It's after Memorial Day. Um. Anyway, thank you. Oh, boy. Send us off, Laura. Thank you so much for joining us on this uh, petty-sode episode of print run remember to send us your queries or first pages or suggestions for flex episodes or topics you want us to cover we're at printrunpodcast at gmail.com